Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I am thrilled to welcome Chris Maynard, a friend and great inspiration. Chris runs Essential Ingredients, which is 100% employee-owned. EI, as it's known, has had numerous distinctions, including being certified evergreen um, in a status by the Tugboat Institute and a 2019 All-Star Champion is recognized by the great game of business. Extraordinary performance and accomplishments practicing the open book management. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Molly. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you very much. Well, I'm super keen uh, for listeners to learn about your journey uh, and for full transparency for folks. I have recently joined the board. Um, I know, Chris, uh, over the years, you had a lot of options. You could have sold the company to private equity. You chose a very different path. And I'd be grateful if you'd help folks appreciate what was going on for you as a leader, as an innovator, uh, and share your story. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great story, probably one that would take longer than our, our program time. But, um, you know, as, as uh, uh, me and my partners uh, the, saw the company really developing and started thinking about, uh, you know, how do we transition a business like this? And, and, and when we did, it's not a, it's not the, we didn't have the possibility of generational um, succession, uh, you know, passing along to our kids because you had really three partners involved at the time. So uh, we, we did our homework and explored, uh, you know, lots of different options and were approached by a number of different uh, private equity firms, competitors, um, you know, who wanted to acquire the company. But, uh, you know, as I observed uh, some of my peers who had taken that path um, and who I admired and had, uh, you know, would have said, you know, those are you know, they got fantastic cultures, they really care for the people. Um, and really have a sort of people uh, first orientation, uh, you know, on the, on the back end of those transactions, uh, 10 times out of 10, uh, you know, those, those uh, leaders look back in the mirror and they've got a nice fat bank account. Uh, but uh, the people that had, had helped them build the businesses uh, really were, had been discarded along the way and their cultures that they had cared so much about and, and, uh, Tended uh, like a garden, uh, really had disappeared at the at the altar of profitability. Uh, you know, as they were, uh, when they were acquired. So that was just something that uh, we couldn't come to, to peace with. And uh, in the midst of our search, had uh, discovered uh, employee ownership as an option, and sought that out as as what we thought was the best way to uh, continue. Uh, building the culture that we, we were so fond of, rewarding the people who are helping us build it, and, uh, you know, uh, putting us on a path where we could imagine the idea of, of having a company that lasts for 100 years. So uh, it was really a, quite a journey and a lot of learnings and twists and turns in there, and it uh, certainly wasn't all uh, smooth roads, but um, I'm certainly very glad that we found that option, and uh, I think we have executed it nicely. So. That's fantastic. I, uh, you know, I've been in, in, in the offices. There is a great energy. There's a great mutual caring. And a theme on the show has been the great cultures. Um, 
that, Robert. Would you share a bit about how you'd describe the culture at EI? Yeah, I mean, we... Uh, it, it, you know, I've always just I've always said we sell relationships, we don't sell chemicals. Um, so, you know, the business of the business that we're in is is uh, is in industrial chemicals, largely for personal care manufacturing companies. So, um, <clears throat> pretty uh, pretty conservative uh, business, um, uh, very well defined uh, marketplace. But uh, really, the magic that happens is is the people to people interaction. So. This idea of selling relationships, not chemicals, um, really comes from uh, a very different place than just a product and a price. So uh, this idea of building relationships and folks, uh, you know, like doing business with people they trust, I believe, and uh, and trust is built on relationships. And good relationships and trust are built on doing what you say when you're going to do it and, um, you know, following through. And and uh, so this 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 culture of, of thinking of others uh, first. Um, we're in a service business, so uh, we talk a lot about making our customers successful. In our case, we've got supplier relationships, and we think about making them successful. And our success is a natural byproduct of making other people successful. So um, it's uh, we know we need to be profitable. I mean, um, it's it's one of the, uh, the what we call the seven Ps around here in, in evergreen language. Um, but the, the profit is really the result of the things we do. It's not the thing we do. So we view it as fuel for the car, um, you know, not the, not the car itself. So um, that, uh, you know, that view of business is, is a bit unusual. I think it's very refreshing for folks. I think it's something that we all wish were true uh, of the places we worked in. And when Gallup, you know, tells us that 80% of the workforce goes to work every day and hates their job, uh, you know, there's a reason for that, and uh, I think um, you know putting others uh, first is a is a big part of that. So, um, eight out of ten people go to work, and again, you know they they hate their job. They they don't have a best friend at work. They don't uh, uh, respect their manager. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, and um, so we've been very intentional about trying to um, to do something different. Kudos for that leadership. That's fantastic, and. I'm wondering, because I think, you know, what you say just makes so much sense, right? It's all about relationships. It's about the people. It's not as if people don't intellectually get this, Chris. Yet, as you mentioned, the vast, vast majority are not having a great experience at work. To help you um, kind of stay the course and not feel like perhaps you're the only one doing this, talk a bit about the community that you have or other leaders. Uh, you know, I think a lot of folks uh, might be curious how um, you've gotten supported um, to stay true to your intention. Yeah, it's been a, that that part was a really interesting discovery for me. Um, you know, for the longest time, honestly, I felt uh, I felt like a freak. Um, you know, I don't know how many people out there are, are, are X Men movies fans, but um, it was a, there's a great uh, theme in the X Men movies where. Uh, these very gifted uh, folks who have very special and unique mutant powers uh, find themselves at Xavier School for the Gifted, right? Where, you know, uh, the, the backdrop story is they, they feel like a freak and they find themselves surrounded by other people who have strange but similar gifts in different ways. And, um, you know, when I found myself uh, on this journey to try to understand, you know, how do we, how do we keep doing what we're doing and, and are there other people out there like me you know, I found myself in communities like the Small Giants community, uh, the Tugboat Institute, 
you know, which is really uh, a group of, of CEOs uh, trying to build companies to last 100 years. Um, you know, folks practicing things like open book management, great game of business, uh, and, and then, of course, employee ownership. Um, you know, all those things, uh, you know, work together to uh, promote this, this, uh, uh, this culture of, of really trying to do something greater than ourselves, uh, connect with people who are like-minded in that way. And uh, I found myself where I, I really felt I was alone, uh, you know, getting in any situations with other like-minded people. And it's tremendously encouraging. Um, you get great ideas and you're surrounded by thought leaders who are thinking about, um, you know, building businesses that last, uh, are, that aren't just being built to be sold, um, you know, but built for a very different purpose. So, again, not negating the fact that we need to be profitable and make money, and um, uh, but that's, again, that, that the result, not the goal. So being around people who speak that kind of language is unusual, but, again, very encouraging. And, and uh, uh, some of those, those groups that I mentioned are really helpful, have been really helpful to me anyway. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, uh, thanks to you, had met Dave Wharton, who founded Tugboat, and I invited him to join a future show and share more of that journey. And, you know, part of my whole Say It Skillfully, the premise for it was the feeling that people really had a lot within and they weren't able to articulate what they wanted to articulate, which was just a loss for everyone, you know, and people want to come to work and be their full selves, be able to contribute. And it's really hard if you're feeling like a straitjacket and can't say what you want to say. Um, let's segue a little bit to the Say It Skillfully um, topic. I'm curious, you know, you've been a supporter of the videos. I've really appreciated it. Any thoughts about that within EI? Yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the things that, that uh, sort of comes with a, or can come with, I, I think one of the things that we've, uh, uh, We've erred in is is uh, with a with a with a people oriented or people first culture. Uh, sometimes it's possible to, to sort of run the edge and and create an entitlement, um, uh, borderline entitlement culture. So, um, you know, we're we're here in the southeast United States in the Atlanta area. People say we've got the disease of niceness. Um, you know, so being able to have candid. Um, conversations with your peers, your manager, uh, um, you know, even people in our population down here is unusual. Um, you know, people tend to be very nice. They're too very hospitable. And the idea of disagreement often comes across as disloyalty. So uh, many of you of the, your, uh, your topics have addressed uh, either that head on or in a, in a tangent way, um, just teaching people how to use words to communicate more clearly, how not to be offensive while still telling somebody the truth. And uh, to me, that's been magical, uh, you know, not only for my own personal development, but for a lot of folks that I, I know benefit from your, uh, from your Say It Skillfully videos. Yeah, thanks for that. It's been, uh, it's been a real treat. I always uh, like to um, give folks like you who are, you know, at the top, it's easy to look fairly perfect. It's easy. I appreciate your sharing some of the things that we're talking. Do you have a say it skillfully challenge or a scenario or situation that you'd like to ask me? Yeah, I, I think one of the things I was, I was considering, um, you know, we're, we're very intentional about having a, uh, a team oriented environment. You know, one of the, 
one of the things about open book management is, uh, you know, having a bonus structure that we all share in together. So we're all pushing on the same rock instead of having different people pushing on different rocks. Um, but I, I, you know, I've, I've picked up threads once in a while and I've seen this and I thought it'd be great for the audience to hear, uh, you know, let's just imagine you, you're, you're working on a team, um, and you've got a team member, uh, who's not necessarily in your reporting doesn't have the same manager as you, um, but you just sense they're not carrying their water. Um, they're not getting it done. Um, you don't want to be offensive to them, but you want to go to their manager either. Uh, you know, how do you talk to them about, um, uh, a situation where they just they're they're just not carrying their uh, carrying their weight. Oh, that's a great one. That comes up a lot, and the level set. The folks should be familiar by now, but the sense of where is the indi- where are you at as the person seeing this, and it is easy to be frustrated. It's easy to be annoyed, all rightfully so. So the first thing is exhaling those kinds of energies. Again, they, they may be very warranted. Um, but trying to come at it very neutrally and, in fact, positively in a spirit of, of curiosity and of understanding. It may be so obvious to you, to, to others, that the person's not cutting it, um, but that would be an assumption, so we would not want to assume. So first, managing our own emotions and getting in a positive headspace, and then level setting with the person, coming at them as a, an ally, right? I really want to help you. I want us to be better together, right? So it's not just this other person. We're all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution. And, and it might, it might sound like, you know, we're working on this project, Jane. Um, let's sit down and just level set. What do you think good looks like? Start to have a conversation of what good looks like. So many, I think, managers, leaders in their own minds, super clear, it may not be clear for their folks. So clarifying what does great look like. Um, and I like to use the number situation when people self-assess. So, you know, how do you think, how do you think it's going? How would you rate your own performance? And then give them a chance to share what it is and why. And if the person thinks they're really great, you, you, instead of rolling your eyes, it's a, wow, fascinating. Say more. And by that back and forth, the ability to, to get a sense of where the person is, uh, for them to not feel defensive because they're feeling the energy of the, you wanting to help them. Um, and then saying, okay, so I, I'm going to be honest. I, 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 my assessment would be a four, and here's why. And not saying you were bad, you this, but the behaviors, the actions. And then helping the person appreciate the impact of that and then taking them through um, what great looks like and what, how you'd support that person. And at the same time, Pilks have said to me, you know, this has been an ongoing thing. And then it's got to be something that says, you know, we've talked about this. And this really is something that's essential for the job. And so, you know, we need this to happen all the time and, and creating agreement. If it doesn't happen, what's the next step? And you have to be willing to, to understand what the consequence would be. I'll pause there. Does that sound helpful, Chris? No, for sure. I think that one that you know, it, there's that there's that op- there's that moment where you've got to shift gears and you've got to uh, become not just a listener, but now given the feedback. And uh, I think most a lot of people find that very hard. That, you know, and but what, what my experience has been once you find that gear and you can say, okay, I, it's, I'd like to give you my perspective now. Um, it becomes a lot easier after you do it. You know, a few times, and um, so I. Just encouraging folks to kind of muscle through that, uh, you know, the first few times, and uh, it's not as hard as you think it is. So 
that's been my experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know that you are very busy leading that awesome uh, uh, organization. I look forward to seeing you very soon, Chris. Um, so really, I'm grateful for your spending time with me, all you very generously shared. And thanks, always for being part of the solution. Well, and thank you, Molly. And I think what you're doing here is has a great need, um, you know, teaching people how to uh, even live through scenarios that we just talked about um, and uh, and speaking to, to, to people, you know, speaking truth, but doing it in a kind way and, and uh, in, the, in the midst of that, being part of the solution. So thank you very much for that. Um, really appreciate what you're doing. It's my, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You take care, Chris. All right. Bye-bye. <clears throat> okay. Our next caller now is Justin, who I believe is joining us from London. Justin, it's super to have you on the show. Hi, Molly. How are you doing today? Doing fabulously. Doing fabulously. What uh, situation or conversations on your mind? Um, the, the conversations on my mind is how do I get a, a cool podcast like you going? <laughs> you're you're on this podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm just teasing, Molly. The, the question that's um, burning a hole in my mind at the moment, Molly, is trying to. Uh, manage the relationship between well-being and performance. Um, a, a lot of my clients come to me and say, oh, they're burnt out or they have got the energy left or they're all stressed out, um, but they don't want to let go of their high performance. So the, the research I'm doing for the textbook on neuroscience at the moment is looking at how that can be addressed. What do you do in your practice, Molly? What's your response to that question? That's fabulous and one of my most favorite ever because it's really hard to to be your best um, and not and not do the self care. You know, I, I just for a period of time you can push it. I think I have definitely got the periods of time, years where you're kind of always on. And sure, the benefit is great performance. It could be great results. It's not sustainable. And then at a fulfillment level within, it's not, it's not rewarding. So I think this is a very hot topic. I'd start it with thinking about what best is, what high performance is, and society might say it's these numbers. It's um, you know, doing something in a short amount of time. And that might be fine for society. I think the opportunity for any mm -hmm. individual is to really own for themselves what success looks like. And I know that's really hard. People will say, well, if I don't do this, someone else is going to jump in. And my response is, if you keep doing it the way you're doing it, you are enabling the current system to persist. So I think it's really great to just come to grips with like, like I need eight hours of sleep. That's what it is. I need eight hours. So I pretty much get eight hours of sleep. That might mean I don't get as much done. I actually might not make as much money and I'm good with that. And I don't, you know, I, I want folks to realize you have choice and no one's forcing you. I get folks think that they're being forced. And I think the, the opportunity is to look in the mirror and really ask yourself the questions 
my, you know, I, and I feel like I'm living the dream. Like I love what I do. And it's, it's just really like, I, I want everyone in the world mm-hmm. to have that. Do you think it takes some hard questions, Justin? And I think sometimes we don't like the answers, but we've got to figure out how to, how to pull it all together in a way that's unique and authentic to whatever, whoever that individual is. Hmm. Does that make sense? And a lot of, a lot of coaches that I, that I'm, that I deal with, I've got a big network of coaches, Maria, as I'm sure you do. And, and a lot of them are under capacity. A lot of them are not doing enough. So they spend all their days chasing leads and trying to drum up business, which is a very diff- difficult kind of stress not to have because if you're not making enough doing what you love, then you know, then there's a bit of a cul-de-sac. What do you do in that situation? What's your thinking, Molly? That's a really great one. And I, you know, this is that whole market economy. I think for folks um, in, in coaching specifically, to be able to be very clear on who you're serving and how you want to serve them and financially what the remuneration is, it's important to just, you got to run those numbers and see if that's doable. I, you know, I, I ran a nonprofit for a period of time and I, and I learned and I said to others, you have to take money from the places that the right to take money. Because you could take money from a donor that on a lot of control and it may seem like a great thing to do and it's not. So it is, it is tricky. I get it, especially if it's um, a tight financial situation. Um, but to be able to stay true to the work one wants to do and getting it valued for what it's worth. And if people aren't valuing it, you know, that says something. You've either got a message better. There's, there's something that has to change. But mm. you can't be frustrated if other people aren't giving us what we want. You've got to demonstrate the value. And there's a lot of just practical stuff there. And then I think it is a, mm. a, an ability mm. to supplement perhaps, you know. So I, I, I really empathize with that. It's a tough situation. At, but I think if people are true to the value and add the value – people will pay for value. If you add the value and make a difference and help connect the dots for what it is that you do and why it matters, then that's really, you know, I think that that's what you can do. Yeah, I mean, can I tell you a quick story? When I last spent time with Marshall Goldsmith, who we both know dearly, would you mind if I tell a quick story, Molly? I'd love it. That'd be great. So I, I met with... with uh, with Marshall to get some advice on what to do with my book. The the question he said to me, how did you get uh, to get out of academia and to get into coaching? And I said to him, well, um, I decided one day just to to do it. And I just jumped over the fence and I then uh, set up my coaching practice and sat looking at my emails and my phone all day and nothing happened. And I, I had... Uh, you know, good background in coaching. I'd studied a lot and I was uh, doing research around coaching. So I thought I would be adding a lot of value and I thought there'd be a lot that I could offer. But I was trying to market myself and trying to get it out there and nothing was really happening and I couldn't work out what I was doing. I was on social media, etc. cetera. Um, then my, my wife came to me and said, you know, you're not showing up right. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you're looking like a scruffy Professor, you're not looking like an executive coach. Nobody wants a professor as a coach. You need to rebrand yourself. And I said, well, what do you mean just rebrand myself? Uh, she was working as an executive for Louis Vuitton, Molly, and 
she knew a lot about branding, obviously. And she rebranded me. She put a new website and social media campaign and a, a new tagline and a new USP um, and really made all the difference. Uh, when I showed up in a, in a, in a, with a different profile, I think the key also, Molly, was helping me define my target market. I thought I was busy, but I wasn't. I was busy trying to get leads. And that kind of stress is so exhausting, Molly, when you want to be busy doing the work you love, but there's nobody answering the emails or the phone. It's really quite distressing. Wow. That is so great, Justin. Thank you for sharing that and that, you know, kudos to you to listen (laughs) to your wife and go through the reinvention. And I I just think that's so powerful Mm. because you let go. Oh, thank you, Molly. It's really, really great. Yeah. And and my wife, Gordana, now has this company, CoachPulse.com, and she's helped a lot of Marshall Goldsmith graduates. She's helped a lot of executive coaches get busy. Great, great. So we're going to wrap, Justin. Do you have a top takeaway from our conversation? Uh, I don't know. It's the same with whatever I speak to you, Molly. There's, there's always a sense of humble wisdom that I feel so... I feel so nervous around you because you're like Yoda. I'm so grateful to have the conversation with you. Your insight is always on the on the spot. So that's my take home. <laughs> I appreciate you, Justin. I appreciate your making time to call in. Right. So thank you. I'm delighted to welcome my next caller, Fahad, all the way from Pakistan. Fahad, thanks so much for joining me. And what questions on your mind today? Hi, Molly. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm Fahad, a young engineer from Pakistan. And um, I try to reach out to lots of founders and investors around the world. And when reaching out to investors, I, I, I actually uh, get a lot of no's. And I'm looking for, uh, I'm looking for uh, good ways, skillful ways I can ask for feedback uh, without uh, feeling a lot of, uh, uh, without being uh, ashamed uh, of accepting a, a no and still feel, still getting that feedback uh, required for me to improve on it and get funded. Wow. Well, first off, my kudos to you for having ideas and pursuing a dream to get funding for a company. That's fantastic. So I can imagine that's uh, a lot more no's than yeses. So everyone knows that. And I appreciate your own energy and positivity because you've got to be positive on it. Um, I imagine these folks are very busy and they have to say no a lot. So your ability to ask where you kind of ingratiate them to want to help you is super important. So the meta skill of being humble. Wow, I I really appreciate your spending time with me. I'm disappointed to hear that that's your response. I really want to do this and I want to be better. Would you be so kind to spare a moment and just share one idea or one suggestion you have for me for how I could present or be more compelling and look them straight in the eye, really open and see what they say. Um, I think, you know, when people sense eagerness, wanting to be better, um, you're asking in a very respectful way and the chances are high that they'll come up with something. And if they're caught off guard, so, you know, I can't think of anything you could say, Fahad, I appreciate you're considering it. Could I email you? And if you thought about it, I would be very, very appreciative. And just be genuine and ask for it. And you know that 
mistakes are made, you know, you're going to get better and this is the way you're going to get better and eventually um, get your funding. How's that land for you? That seems like a very good advice. Uh, and I'm going to take, take this advice and try this and uh, see how, how this works for me. Thank you so much for this. You're very welcome. Do you want to try a quick dry run? How would it sound if you were, you were doing it? Pretend I was the person I said, you know, Fahad, I'm really sorry. This isn't something that we're interested in investing in. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to read my idea and giving a, feed, uh, giving a response. Uh, I'd be, uh, it's, you guys are busy people and you get hundreds of emails every day. So I appreciate your response. Uh, one thing that, that would be very helpful for me is getting uh, feedback from you. Advice is a gift. Uh, feedback is a gift. So, could you please uh, give uh, uh, tell me one or more things I could improve on, so I could pitch to you or anyone else again, and maybe get funded. Love it. I love that you said that the feedback is a gift. And you know, they may not respond the way you want, but how do you put it out there in a respectful, humble way? And that I think will ultimately give you good dividends. I'm going to wish you very well. I thank you for calling in all that way. And please let me know if I can be of more help in the future. I want to thank you for being part of the solution. You take care. We'll take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent, their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. 
Welcome back to our show. My next caller now is Sander from New York City. Sander, thanks so much for joining me. Um, thank you, Molly. It's, it's great to be here. So let's see. What situation, what uh, Say It Skillfully challenge do you have today? Yeah. Um, so I, um, I'd often work in an international environment, and um, English is not my first language, and many times it's also not the first language of the people who I worked with. So sometimes, um, thankfully not too often though, but sometimes I would find myself in a situation where as the result of, you know, different uses in language, different nuances, um, etc., um, there was a misunderstanding between people in the room or, or in the team where they were not really on the same page. And so my question is, once I have this realization, what is the best way to recover from this? This is great. I have done international environments as well, and I unfortunately don't speak a whole bunch of languages. So I always feel very bad when I can't converse in someone's native language. (laughs) So let me just clarify. um, Is it something where you personally don't understand or you and others don't understand? I just just want to clarify. Um, I think it is really... um, between people that they have a different understanding of the situation or or um, a different understanding of the plan or what has to be done, um, something along those lines. So it's misunderstanding on different sides. Does that does that help? Yeah, that's very helpful. So this is where the number one thing I say is transparency is our friend, and you're having a particular experience. Um, and it's important that you share that you may see a disconnect. Um, let me ask you, before you chime in, what, what's going on in your head? Are you, what are you afraid of, if anything? Like what, what kind of holds you back from jumping in right away? Um, I don't know if there is much, if, if there really is anything that is holding me back. Like I feel like I'm ready to um, jump in and, and share that from my perspective there um there might be a a misunderstanding going on and and um um so i i am ready to jump in but i'd like to um think more about how to how to bring it up and uh, um get people along great great so i applaud that you want to jump in fantastic uh, so I think the, an energy, so sometimes people might feel a little bashful or, oh, I'm not really sure, which is understandable. There's no reason mm-hmm. to come across that way. So it's like, just a quick time out, put, put your finger in there. Just want to call something out and you're very neutral. Think of the, you think international, think Switzerland. You know, I just want to call something out. I may not have this right. So you're just leading with, I'm not saying that we have misunderstanding. I may not have this right. I'm, I'm sensing that not everybody is, you know, hearing this on the, is on the same page. And you might offer mm-hmm. what I heard. And just, again, the words from such and such. And over here I heard, and just be clear, because you want to get transparency of where you think the misunderstanding is. 
And just right. for a moment, I just want to raise this and I don't want to slow us down. It's just that I, I want to make sure we don't, you know, push forward ahead when folks aren't really on the same page. How's that land for you? Right. Right. Yeah, that that um, intuitively feels feels like it's the right thing to do. I think it, it might also be helpful to um, explain how I understand things and then perhaps ask how um, how the other people in, in the team were understanding things. I love that. That's fantastic. Own it first. You know, just as what I'm taking away and help, you know, correct me, please, if I've got, you know, I don't have that quite right. And then, you know, one thing I'll offer, if you have this as an ongoing um, situation with the group, you might start out a meeting and say, you know, we're all here. Some people may be on the phone. Some people may be in person. And just acknowledge, you know, one of the greatest things about our team is we have these people from all over the world. I, for one, you know, English is not my first language. Appreciate you mm-hmm. know, people's patience with me. It may be the case for other people. And just put that out there. Like, it, it's, it, it's a little bit hard. And, you know, that gives people a chance to appreciate, wow, you know, here we are. I'm barely hanging out in English, my first language. You know, these people have to translate. And therefore, you create some... <laughs> you know, understanding and, and um, empathy for, for that. And, and hopefully people will then say, you know, l- let's make sure we really do double check that everyone has the understanding that we want them to have. And, and that's done in a very, you know, friendly team oriented way, not making anyone feel bad that they don't speak, you know, English as a first language or they don't speak other languages for that matter. Yes. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think this was very helpful. Um, I think I think part of what it also comes down to is um, maybe not not making um, too many assumptions that everyone is is aligned with the way you think um, you see things. Very good call out. I think that's the self awareness part, and I always like to say, you know. You have a reality. I have a reality. We think we're right. That's why we have it. <laughs> and so right. it can be kind of challenging to, and, and it can be a little bit unsettling to consider, wait a second, maybe my view of the planet, of the world is not exactly universal. And I know that seems very basic. I'm laughing a little bit, but oftentimes, you know, and myself included here, you're all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I'm really dug into this position and I don't even know why why I took into this position. So it does take some maturity, I think, to be able to let it go. I um, wanted to just ask if you have a top takeaway before we wrap. Um, well, I think just just um, not hesitating to to bring it up once you realize that that something is wrong and just communicate, be transparent. Um, I think that's, that's a very good way to start in this situation. Beautiful. I love it. I appreciate you calling in. I think the folks are lucky to have you on the team, Sander. And if I can be of any more help, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. So thank you very much for being right. part of the Our next caller is in sunny Florida. I'm cold New York, so I'd like to be in sunny Florida. And I'd like to welcome May. 
May, thank you for joining the show today. Hi, Molly. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So, okay, so I'm going to envision the warm, sunny skies as it's 32 degrees in New York here. <laughs> I, uh, I'm wondering what's top of mind for you? Well, Molly, I have kind of a a big picture question for you today. I'm kind of a big picture gal. I always, you know, preferred much preferred the the macroeconomics when I was in school. And um, I, on the topic of mindfulness, um, kind of this heartfulness, I I had a, a specific question. So just to give you a little background, um, I. You know, my my kind of business jobs were various things, such as management, sales and marketing, and kind of through my life's journey, I just observed kind of this need, even before maybe it was really popular to have mindfulness in business and mindfulness in education and jails and really in, in threading through all of life, and I just basically observed um, that that there was basically kind of a kind of a human suffering of the human condition um, you know that there was a need for people to be able to just be heartful and really connected with themselves and able to listen and speak skillfully and just really be present and resilient to the ups and downs of life and just that need of how can I share myself in a kind, compassionate way, and I actually even became a yoga teacher to help people with physical, mental, and emotional health and well-being, and so my question for you today on that topic, Molly, is something I also studied was something, um, things like neuroscience, where I could really learn, oh, wow, this is why I'm acting like this, or this is why other people act like this. Um, there's something called the negativity bias, where we literally, our brains are just survival-oriented and kind of scan for what's wrong to make sure we can survive and what's wrong with me and what's wrong with you and kind of maybe not open to different perspectives and having that open mind and heart. And so my question is, is do you have any suggestions for how one might bring, um, you know, that ability to to be present, to, to go against this negativity bias, you know, of, of the human people to, you know, for example, bring this into work. So as opposed to just be the change, which of course is we know it starts from, you know, yourself. Do you have any suggestions on what someone might do to to bring mindfulness and heartfulness and just compassion um, into the workplace. Wow, great, great macro question. And first off, let me acknowledge <laughs> you, you know, for your life journey and for um, going to places perhaps that others don't go. And I can feel the um, the energy and the compassion that you have um, for the human, for the human experience. Cause that, that, that is our emotions, how we're feeling is, is what really differentiates us. Um, so this is really 
like this is so core to the say it skillfully piece, I believe, because at the end of the day, um, one, I think, has to really value themselves. And I know that seems crazy. Like, oh, we all value ourselves. And I think oftentimes people may not really know themselves well enough. And I think that's a journey in and of itself. Lots of times people get into what I'll call, you know, the treadmill or the gerbil wheel and you start a job and you keep going and you keep going, you get a promotion and you're not really sure you wanted that promotion, but you got it. And and society seems to think it's great. So it's very easy to get on a track, quite frankly. And, And sometimes that might be the life track that one really wants, but I do think there's a lot of opportunity for people to create to really intentionally create the track that they want to have. And I want to encourage folks to, to go into a little bit of that unknown and um, might be a bit scary. Consider that first. So I think that to me is a starting point to ground oneself because one, one has the strength. I can feel the strength that you have to know that, you know, I'm, I'm good with who I am and I really want others to be who they are. I think that's the next step is, is creating that organizations. The work I actually do is, I call it head faking. You know, I've said this before, the notion of vulnerability, you know, we love Brene Brown's power of vulnerability, a must see for everyone. You know, vulnerability is a must for trust. Yet when you say that word in the workplace, people freak out, you know, kind of understandably, because it seems like I could be wrong, I could be fired, I could be, you know, perceived as weak. And to be able to have people really experience the power of um, knowing their colleagues for who they really are, to me, has been the game-changing thing. That can be specifically something where if people acknowledge how important it is that we feel like we can say what needs to be said, that you go around the room and rather than talk about and introduce oneself all the fabulous things we've done, why do, what if we go around the room and introduce you and just share with us one thing that is a struggle or has been a struggle for you? And if it's still a struggle, what can we do to help you? And my experience has been when it's set up properly that people want to go there because they want to really share themselves. And you know, we want more than anything in life to be able to share you know, the warts, the downside, the hard times, and still be respected and loved. So my experience has been if you introduce that and give people a chance to go there, because they know in their heart that's the right thing to do. It's just that it's scary or, or it isn't viewed as positive. And if you give them an opening in the door, literally 100% of the time, I've experienced people who go there. How's that land for you? Yeah, thank you so much, Molly. I love how you bring up this vital topic of vulnerability. And it's wonderful that in recent years, vulnerability is, is basically the new strength because that's that really you know seeing all the darkness and light and the just everything in ourselves not just wanting to see oh what's pleasant and what can I brag about but really seeing what's inside myself and what's inside the other and just really connecting I think that is what I've observed to be a big cause of of suffering, whether it's in business or in personal life, is this lack of connection, connecting to yourself and and others. So just letting ourselves be 
human. And I think that's, you know, a wonderful idea to just bring up, you know, this, um, this platform for people to, to share and to feel safe that they can share everything. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, at the workplace, I want to call out, you know, it is a judgment call, right? There's things that would not be uh, appropriate in the workplace. You know, there's the personal versus work line and we have to make a, a judgment call. So that is something where, you know, you have to look at to extent that, what you're trying to share about yourself. And uh, I think for leaders in particular to, to just be real, you know, you've got struggles, you've got issues and to be open about that. And that's, as you mentioned, someone said to me, vulnerability is the new cool thing. You know, I never thought of it that way, but it really is um, our ultimate strength. And, you know, kudos to you for modeling that it's very clear to me. And when you model it, when any of us model it, it really makes it safe for others. I'll um, I'll close with just asking you: Do you have a particular top takeaway or thought that's come to your mind? Yeah, it's actually just that that reminder about that vulnerability is is a strength, and really, that is what to me kindness and compassion are the greatest strengths that we can share. And something such as vulnerability really helps us to be kind to ourselves and others and just to be good human beings. I'm a full believer that, you know, good human beings make good CEOs or make good whoever, you know, what, whatever, you know, and that your identity is, is that kindness and compassion. That's really beautiful, May. I uh, appreciate your making time and joining me on the show. You know, let me know how it goes and if I can help you in the future. And uh, thanks, always, for being part of the solution. Thank you so much, Molly. Thanks. Please have a blessed day. You too. I'd like to answer a question now from one of my LinkedIn followers. And Kimberly asked, how about a coworker who's on your team who runs to the boss instead of addressing issues with you directly? It's very frustrating. I've asked her uh, to come to me before to deal with issues, and she seems not to do this. So, Kimberly, I can imagine the frustration. It's a total drag. Uh, we'll start with transparency is your friend. Often I do suggest you know, group um, gatherings to get bubble up the different realities here. In this case, I would take it one-on-one. Give yourself uh, a chance. Exhale frustration. It's totally warranted, but exhale the frustration. And I'd start out perhaps just pinging your boss since it's been brought up before and say, hey, heads up, just, you know, this is going on with my colleague uh, and me. I want you to know I'm trying to handle it directly, and I'm sure I'll be able to. I'm owning it, at school of owning it. Uh, but create an alliance with your boss. Say, could you do me one favor? If this person does come to you with something about me, would you just kindly, you know, and openly say, you know, that's so super. Just why don't you ping Kimberly? Why don't you share it with Kimberly? That would really help me. So I'd, I'd get that established first. And then I might revisit with your colleague and, 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 you know, again, create shared reality. What do you think I think of you when you go to the boss first? And I'm saying this because you've already talked to her a few times. So just what do you think I think of you 
when you go to our boss first. And, and in a non-judging way, pause, see what they say. How do you think I feel? And so these are questions that you could start to just be very patient, but hopefully get that person to realize what they're doing. Now, if it's really not working, you might set up a situation where you could have gone to the boss that had gone to this person and say, what if I went to the boss and did this about you? That's really having that person. Would you want me to do that? So hopefully at this point, the person would get that. And it's, it could be hard to not get it into an edgy sort of argumentative thing. So try to keep it light. Okay, so let's play a game here, right? I'm going to do chalk marks here every time you do this. And when you get to five, you're going to owe me $100. Perhaps, it perhaps inject some lightness. I mean, you know this person, obviously, but play around. Obviously, what you're doing hasn't been working well, so it's a chance to try something different. Okay, Kimberly, so let me know how that goes. If I can help you further, um, please don't hesitate to ask. And we'll wrap our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.